Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited you've tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you are listening, we hope you're inspired by this message. Uh, Pastor Ben and their team for giving me the opportunity to share tonight. So um, before I begin, I'm just going to pray. Dear Lord God, I just want to thank you so much for tonight. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would use me tonight and that, Father, you would speak through me, that, Father, you impact our hearts and, God, that we would uh, leave this place challenged but inspired. Father, that we'd be motivated, as, as our um, title here says, to be making a difference uh, in our world and in the greater world that we live in. I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, I'm no Bible scholar and I'm no Pastor Ben, so don't worry, I won't be performing an exegesis of Scripture tonight, um, but I do want to share a little bit about my experience with missions and, and my heart for missions. Uh, and so, in essence, you're going to get a little bit of my testimony. But before I begin sharing, I want us to consider, what does missions mean to you? And if I ask you what is missions, what comes to your mind and what would your answer be? You know, if you ask my wife, Mez, what is missions? She'll do one of these and say, me, this is for you. Oh, I just love him. I just love him. I just love God. And if I love God, I, I just can't help but loving others. <laughs> so this is how Mez will respond. But in essence, that's the heart of missions. It really is that simple. Uh, as Mark 12, 30 to 31 tells us, we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second part of that is we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And the scripture tells us there are no greater commandment than these. And you know, the cool and crazy part about all of this is that God loved us first. And that because God showed us what love is, we can love others. You know, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional Christian family. My parents were divorced by the time I was five. And growing up, I held the perspective that I wasn't really wanted and that I was more of an inconvenience and that the best solution would be if I weren't around. Now, I know now that that wasn't at all the case, but growing up, that was my reality. I moved out of home in year 11 and uh, at the age of 16. On the outside to everyone around me, I was this fun-loving, happy-go-lucky person, but deep down inside, I was struggling with my own thoughts. I, I had the belief that, yeah, really, I was worthless and I wasn't lovable. I would often daydream about dying because I thought if this is as good as life gets, then this isn't really a life that I want to live. But I really, I thank God that at the age of 18, through a series of events, I had a rather transformational change. One night a visiting preacher came to church and he, he called forward those that were struggling with depression. Up until that moment, I'd never identified or never would have thought that I was somebody that was struggling with depressive thoughts. But at that time, I knew that without a doubt, I needed to go forward for prayer. And that night began my deliverance, uh, the deliverance of negative and destructive thoughts that were robbing me of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. You know, that night, a love and a peace that is difficult for me to describe filled my heart. And over the coming months, as I read God's word, as I spent time in prayer, I started uh, and started to claim those scriptures for my life, that I am a child of God, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that I am created in his image and in his likeness, and that I'm loved and that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And you know what? Those scriptures are the same for you as they are for me. First John uh, oh sorry, I'll just say yeah. I, so as I said, I'd grown up in the church. 
I'd heard a lot in that time about the love God had for me. But this time I'd had an encounter with the gospel. I'd truly experienced God's love and his peace. And deep down, I knew that I had to tell others about this love, that God, how God had transformed my life. Because I knew if I was struggling with these sort of thoughts and this experience, then likely chances are there's others that are struggling with the same challenges and experiences. And if we don't go out and tell, tell about the good news and what God's done in my life, then no doubt others are being kept down and being robbed of the life, of the abundant life that God's come to give them. So 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. God lavishes his love on us. He smothers us with his love. You know, his desire is that we would all come to him and to have knowledge of the truth. Like, take hold of that for a moment. God lavishes his love on us. That's pretty incredible. For me, that blows my mind that God loves us so much that he lavishes his love on us. But you know, the crazy part is that there's 2.8 billion people in our world today that have never heard the gospel message. They've never experienced God's love for themselves. They don't know about the, his son Jesus who came to give, him, give them life and that they might be free from the bondage of death, of sin and fear. That's 2.8 billion people in our world today that don't know that God loves them, that haven't experienced his love. You know, we have a big job ahead of us, eh? And, uh, and then there are ones like I once was, you know, they've heard the gospel message, but they've never experienced God's love. They know about God, but they don't really know him. And yet God's heart remains the same. He longs that we might know him, that all will come to him. His heart is for the one. Jesus left the flock of 99 sheep to go after the one that was lost. And his heart is no different today. You know, if you turn on the TV and, uh, and watching the news, all you'll see is disaster after disaster. If it's not war, it's famine. If it's not famine, it's disease and sickness. If it's not disease and sickness, it's droughts or floods or, or uh, earthquakes and volcanoes erupting. With today's media coverage, we are bombarded by scenes of evil and atrocities, misfortune and devastation. And with such exposure, it's so easy for our hearts to become numb. It's so easy to think, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. And so sometimes we can opt for ignorance rather than to act. We can be apathy, apathy can creep in because we're overwhelmed by the need. That so often we can think, where can I help? And because we're overwhelmed, we don't even begin. But I thank God that that's not us. I thank God that we're part of DLC Church. You know, I thank God that we have incredible pastors, Pastor Ben and Dan, and for our congregation, for you guys, and for each and every one of us, that that's not our heart. Our heart is the passion to see people experience and encounter God's love. Our heart and our passion is to see people come to know him, to truly know him, to know that they're loved, they're valued, they're respected. That's God's desire is that they will come to him and be reconciled, not only to him, but also to each other. And that's our vision for our church here. And you're part of that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, Pastor Josh Hilton uh, shared that we are the light of the world and we truly are. I remember being impacted back in 2009 as part of my international health course, learning about the top killers of children under five. I remember taking, being taken aback, looking at the pictures that the lecture, our lecturer was showing us and thinking, wow, God, how can you allow this to happen? God, where are you in this picture? 
And you know, God asked me the same question. How can I allow this to happen? Where are you in this picture? And you know, it hit me. We, uh, sorry, uh, it hit me that we are God's ambassadors. We are his representatives. Does our God not defend the weak and the fatherless? Does he not uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed? Does he not ask each one of us to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him? You know, we, each one of us here tonight, we are God's hands and his feet. We bring God's light wherever we go. And so when we ask the question, God, where are you? He's asking us, where are you? Because we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. And God asks us to act justly, to bring love and that mercy to where we go. And so I tell you tonight, if, if God's desire is that we would defend the weak and uphold the cause of the poor, of the poor, if his desire is that all come to a knowledge and a truth of him and his command is that we would go into all the world and make disciples, then I share his heart. I share his desire and I will follow his command. And I tell you, that's why I'm passionate about missions. You know, I want to thank DLC uh, for their financial and uh, spiritual support that they provided to Mez and I uh, through, through the generosity of the church we were able to spend a number of years living in West Africa, uh, in the Gambia. And so, yeah, here you can see, here is a little glimpse of that tiny dot. Well, that's pretty much the country, the Gambia. Um, and so, yeah, we had a pr- the privilege of working there. I, we, together, we headed up the HIV program, and we also oversaw the mission hospital that was based in this rural village of, of a population of 5,000 people. And just to give you a little bit of background on the Gambia, it's the smallest country on the African continent, um, and it's one of the poorest countries within Africa. It's heavily influenced by Islam, with 96% of the population professing to be practicing Muslims. You know, working in the medical field there, we were inundated by the people's needs. Sorry, I'm just going to take a quick drink. (laughs) How are we doing? Good. Good. Okay, I'm a firm. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I'm a firm believer that no one life is any more important than anyone, any other's life. And you know, my though my experience in the Gambia was somehow different. Life there could seem so disposable at times. Easy come, easy go. Tom, if you're happy to keep those pictures up, we'll just go to the to the second picture there. And, you know, I struggled so much in those first few weeks when uh, here you can see some of the kids lining up uh, in the waiting hall to be seen. But in those first few weeks of me working in the Gambia, I not only nursed dying children, but I'd have to carry their bodies, their lifeless bodies back over to the ox in the car and give them to their parents. You know, it was gut-wrenching for me. I'd never experienced a child dying, yet here we were having multiple deaths in a month of children dying from malaria, from, uh, from chest infections, and what I would say are preventable sicknesses, but because of where they're born, their life seems more disposable for some. And it would break my heart. But I tell you, I still remember carrying this little girl, Isatu, she was a, a three-year-old girl and she just passed away from a simple chest infection. And, you know, if she was here today in our country, never would have, she never would have died. But I picked up this girl and as I carried her to the morgue, I was so desperate for God to heal her. I was so desperate for God to perform a miracle. You know, I'd come all the way to the Gambia wanting to see people healed and life saved and yet 
all I was starting to see was people, these little ones dying on me and my heart was breaking. And so I was pleading with God as I carried her to the mall, God, heal her. God, would you, wouldn't you wake her up? And I rubbed her face, hoping that her, her eyes would open. And yet there was nothing. She remained lifeless. And so I had to carry her body and give her over to her parents. And I struggled so much because I believe in a God that heals. And I believe in a God that performs miracles. And I'd come to the Gambia to share the good news. And yet, how is any part in this good? You know, we just sang that song. It looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I fight my battles and we fight our battles by doing good, by not letting our circumstance be dictated or not letting our outcome, uh, yeah, not being dictated by our circumstance. We always look to God. And you know what I learned from those early days in the Gambia is, yeah, I've just said it, sorry, that we never let our experience dictate the outcome. I know God spoke to me during those early days as Proverbs 3, 5 states, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, Heidi Baker, a well-known missionary to Mozambique states, love looks like something. Love looks like something. And what I want to encourage you with tonight is you might think you're going about your day-to-day life, which to you might seem at times mundane. But as we live our life intentional for God, as we see, ask him to use us, the little things we do, which as I said, might seem insignificant to us, can have lasting impact on people's lives. To me, I wasn't doing anything different in how I cared for little Isa too. But to her family, I was, I was the one that showed compassion. I showed kindness. I showed empathy. And you know, the crazy part of that story is, as I, as I said, as I gave the body over to the parents, they thanked me. And they said, you two babs, you white people, you're different. We see that you have a love and you, that you not only care for my daughter, but you care for all of us, for our people here. And, you know, they, they said, we don't know why. And that day, this Muslim family's heart softened towards Jesus. So even though we can, think, we can look at the circumstance and think, how is God allowing this? What is happening? God is always at work. Yeah. I want to share another story with you. And uh, if we move on to the next two pictures. So this is just, oh yeah, that's great. So this is my little friend Usaini, the one in the, the light blue. Um, I got to know Hala uh, and her son Usaini really well. Um, yeah, Howard became quite a good friend at the time Mez and I were there and I would often visit her and her family. I came to know Howard shortly after her husband passed away. Um, he was only 35 at the time and leaving Howard, who was 28 at the time, widowed, uh, caring for their three children. Six months before her husband had passed away, Howard delivered twins, little Isatu and Usaini. Oh, the two's the cheeky one in the back. Um, yeah. And um, like all pregnancies, all, all women that come through our clinic, we would offer HIV testing. And so we offered Howard testing, and unfortunately that day she came back positive for HIV. And so we started her on antiretroviral treatment uh, with the hope that we could prevent the transmission of the HIV from the mother to child throughout pregnancy and then throughout the breastfeeding phase. 
And uh, when, the, when the twins were 18 months old, we, we did the HIV test. And I praise God that little Isa too was negative, but unfortunately little Usaini was positive. And as I said, we visited their family frequently, like fairly often throughout the medical outreaches, and we got to know the family well. Also, little Usaini had numerous admissions to, to hospital um, during his first two years of life, and uh, he was always fighting off infections. If uh, This boy, I tell you, he's a right trooper. He fought off malaria, he fought off chest infection, malnutrition, even meningitis, and yet he was still going. Like, really, he was, to me, a little miracle man at the time. And... As I said, we got to build a, a great relationship with Howe and her family. Their hearts too softened towards the gospel. Howe became a follower of Jesus because she had experienced the love and the peace that our God provides. And you know, Howe's parents and the village that she was in were also impacted by the generosity of the Gambian church and how the, the church provided for their family, supporting them with rice and fish and even helping them to plow their fields. You know, I remember Peter's, Peter's mum, Jenny McAllen, saying, love is a verb. We love in action. Again, reiterating the point that love looks like something. But what I'd love to also tell you that, that uh, there was a happy ever, un, ever after ending for Howard, but unfortunately Howard took ill. She, she built up a resistance to the antiretrovirals, and though we changed her medication, uh, her, her CD4, her immune system plummeted. But what I love about this story is there was a lady who once feared the jinn and the evil spirits. She was afraid of death and she always wondered, will my husband advocate to Allah on my behalf? And when Allah comes to weigh my good deeds, will my good be greater than my bad deeds? But now none of that mattered because Howa had come, had complete peace and no longer feared death because Jesus had come and given her life. Sorry, Jesus had given his life for hers. And her deeds didn't matter because we're not saved by works, but rather by grace. All she had to do was accept the gift of salvation. And I praise God how it did. She accepted Jesus. And so she, though her life, her physical life was uncertain, she was assured, her eternity was assured. And I praise God for that. How passed away in September 2016. And unfortunately, little Usaini that you see here now, uh, two months after Howard passed away, she also, he also passed away. And I really believe that that was because he, his little heart was heartbroken for his mum, isn't his mum? But again, I, what I love with this story is I would often go with it, like when I'd come and visit Usaini, we would sing, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got my mother and my sister. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. And I truly thank God that those precious lives are really in God's hands. And this is where the challenge comes for us. You know, those lives are in God's hands because somebody went, somebody showed them love and somebody told them about our incredible God and about his love for them and how he longs for each and every one of them to know him. There was also many <laughs> incredible stories, but tonight I've chosen to share these stories with you because I want you to know that there's so much injustice in the world, there's so much uh, pain in the world, and because we are God's church, we're the answer to that. Yeah. And I want you to get a heart and a glimpse that God's calling you to make a difference in the lives of these people as well, in the lives of our community here and in the global world that we live. 
And by being part of DLC, you are making an impact. You, we are making a difference, and it's so incredible. The last story I want to share with you is about my friend Landing. <laughs> There's little Usaini there. Um, the next picture is of my friend Landing. You know, uh, yeah, Landing and I spent a lot of time hanging out over the, the years that I was there, and you really became one of my great mates. Um, like a lot of the kids in the village, Landing, when he grew up, he had attended the Sunday schools and the youth events, the Christian youth events that the missionaries had run over the time. But when he, in his adult years, it was cemented in his mind that as the Islam, Islam teaches them that Jesus was simply a prophet, he was a good man and that was it. But Landing was always intrigued by Christianity because he'd watched one of his good mates He'd watched one of his good mates uh, leave Islam to follow Christianity, to become a follower of Jesus. He watched how this friend was uh, treated with contempt and disgust, how his family had kicked him out, how they wanted nothing to do with him. His dad even told him, we won't even come to your grave, like to your burial when you die. And that for, for a Gambian man is the hugest disgrace that could ever occur, that nobody would come and show, more, uh, show sorrow or mourn for their loss. And so Landing was amazed at how, how could his friends, who was then exiled from the community, and they banished him, literally banished him. He had death threats and everything. Landing was amazed. How can this friends give up everyone he knows and everything he has to follow this Jesus? And so one night I invited Landing over with the intention of us listening to the New Testament, which had just been translated into Jolene to his mother tongue. And it was now available for the first time on audio format. And so we sat there in my lounge room and we listened to the gospel being shared. We were listening through Romans and I was trying to follow along thinking, yeah, we're up to here. (laughs) And then then Landing says to me, you have to stop, stop. I don't know what's wrong. My heart is thrumping, is, is wanting to bounce out of my chest. <laughs> my hands are sweating like crazy. And I, I said to him, and he's like, yeah, I don't know why, I don't know why. There's something about this message that they're telling me. I've never heard this before. Why have you never told me this? <laughs> and I said to him, I've been, man, I've been praying that the Holy Spirit's going to touch you, that he's going to impact your life. And I think that time's coming now. I think God's really working on your heart. And so Lanny says to me, hey, this Jesus is talking about, I want him to be the keeper of my life. And so I had the honor of, of praying with my friend and leading him to Christ that night. Landing had had many opportunities to hear the gospel. He'd heard the gospel, but he never truly heard it until that night. And that night he encountered God. You know, Romans ten thirteen to 15 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him, in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how will they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You know, I did some reading and the word preaching translates to caresso. I'm probably saying that wrong, Pastor, but that's, that's my James version, uh, <laughs> which means to be a herald or to make announcements. And according to Timothy Keller, a herald was, in a sense, it's a living newspaper. Heralds were a major means of transmitting news by making announcement in the marketplace and in the city streets. So the word preach is much more than the Sunday sermon. And I don't know about you, but when something exciting happens to me, I can't help but talk about it. 
It always comes up in my conversations. And it's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> those, those damn Amex credit cards. <laughs> um, and, but so it is with our faith in God. You know, when, when God transforms our life, when God's at work in us, you can't help but not want to share it. You just deserve, like it, it just bubbles up out of you, out of the, out over the flow of the heart, the mouth speaks and the joy comes out. And we just want to tell others about the good news that we hold. And so what I want to iterate to reiterate to you tonight is that we've all been sent as believers of Jesus. We've all been equipped and sent out to share the gospel message. Some of us may be sent overseas. Some of us, it might be here to the pulpit. For many of us, it's going to be across the road to our neighbors or uh, to our colleagues in our workplace. But the thing is, we've all been sent. It is our feet. It's your feet that are the beautiful feet that bring the good news. And so know this, it's not up to a select few that have been given the task of sharing the gospel. It's all our responsibility. It's not our responsibility for how the people respond to the word of Christ, but it is every Christian's responsibility to share the gospel, the good news that we have. And what I value about here, about our mission strategy for DLC, is that our heart is to engage the vulnerable, the hopeful and the content. And that covers all 7.7 billion people that live in the world today. Each one falls into one of those categories. And we've heard Lyndon say numerous times, this often requires us to learn a vernacular or a lexicon of the people. And after all, we, we, sorry, we, so we share the gospel not out of obligation, but out of love. And so as we do this out of love, we take time to understand those around us. We utilize every opportunity to demonstrate and show love and In my opinion, to me, this looks like the gifts of the Spirit of love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And as we learn to speak in a manner that those that we're talking to understand what it is we're saying, they'll not only hear the good news, they'll invite us to share it with them. And so, you know, also I want to tell you that our, our church is part of the Australian Christian Churches International and our pastor, Pastor Ben, serves on the mission board. And we had our, our um, missionaries, Pastor Josh and Rach, visiting from Vietnam recently. And soon we've got a team going over to Russell and Jenny Barton that are over in Uganda. They've all been ordained field workers through ACCI. ACCI's vision is for a world where all people have an opportunity to hear the gospel and to have the freedom to choose, believe, and express their faith. The mission of ACCI is to transform communities and nations, one life at a time, by developing holistic and sustainable solutions to combat injustice, poverty, and to reinstate the value of life. And I love that by being us being here, by being part of our DLC family, that you too serve that vision and that mission. And that we're too uh, making it come to pass. You know, our God is a great God. He is sovereign and he's always at work. But God is calling you and he's calling me. And he invites us to be part of his redemptive plan in restoring humanity back to him. So I want to conclude tonight with this. There's a song that I heard sung recently, and in its lyrics it said, For this cause I'll die. And as I sung those words, I, I sense God challenged me, but will you live for my cause? You see, it's my opinion that it's much easier for me to die today than it is for me to live, live out each and every day of the rest of my life for the cause. 
So as I challenge myself, I challenge you, will you live for our Father's cause? My prayer is this, may we not be apathetic and overwhelmed by the need, but may we be a people that say yes to God. May we be a people that love God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all our soul and with all our strength. And may we love our neighbour as ourselves. Thank you for joining us in the podcast. For more information about Desert Life Church, go to desertlifechurch.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, you belong here.